You're listening to a podcast from Red Sea Church, a community of faith in Portland, Oregon, whose mission is to draw to Christ, develop in community, and deploy into culture. Good morning. I'd like to start our time of prayer by reading from Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts in this, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For these things I delight, declares the Lord. God, our Father, we come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus. You have made the earth by your power and established the world in your wisdom. With your voice, you stretched out the heavens. You are the author of the day and the night and all that lives in it. Lord Jesus, you are manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. We are here today to worship you, laying before you our burdens and our pains. We lift up our voices in song, and we lift up our words in prayer. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts, Lord. We lift our souls to you. We rejoice in your glory, for you are our Savior. We delight in your great love, which you have poured out on us in this place, and in our community, and in our families, and in each of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Paul. Well, good morning, church. Uh, If you're visiting with us, my name is Josh, and uh, I get the pleasure of uh, bringing the word to you guys today. Uh, We're working through the book of Jonah as a church. This is a three-part series, which we uh, wrap up today. Uh, Me and Royce kind of tag team preach here. Uh, Next week, we're going to start something completely new in the book of Philemon that we've never done before. Uh, Just a one-part series. Uh, So Royce will be up next week. So if you don't like my preaching this week, come back next week. Somebody else will be here. And uh, maybe you'll appreciate that a little more. Um, So like I said, today we conclude the book of Jonah. Uh, Here at Red Sea, we push pretty hard the ESV Study Bible as a good resource, and I use it to prepare a lot of my my sermons. And I was using it this past week, and I came across this this kind of summary statement that we're going to put up here on the screen of uh, the book of Jonah. And it was so good, I just decided to kind of steal it today and, uh, and use it, because I really liked it as a summary. But it said this about the book of Jonah. It said, the primary purpose of the book of Jonah is to engage readers in theological reflection on the compassionate character of God, and in self-reflection on the degree to which their own character reflects this compassion, to the end that they become vehicles of this compassion in the world that God has made and so deeply cares about. So the reader of Jonah, whether it was the original Jewish audience or us today, the goal is of the book is for us to look at who God is and particularly what he does and his compassion toward Nineveh. And then we're meant to examine our own lives as representatives of God, followers of God, representatives to the world, and how are we demonstrating that same compassion that we see God demonstrating. 
Well, the obvious problem in this that we see real quickly in the book of Jonah is that um, we're Jonah in the story, okay? And the problem with that is Jonah is incredibly selfish and self-centered prophet. And today in our text in chapter 4, Jonah's, Jonah will, will show and demonstrate a childishness of his behavior that will show us exactly what's been going on in his heart throughout this entire book. But before we look at Jonah's childishness, I want us to watch a brief clip here up on the screen of another child. It's an older child, but this is a child who is being incredibly selfish with uh, a gift that's been given them uh, from their father. Don't worry, this is not any of my children. I'm not allowed to show those clips anymore. But, uh, but check this one out real quick. That's bad, right? <laughs> you, you watch that video, and uh, it's not hard to know what's going on in the heart of this teenager, right? I mean, she is an incredibly spoiled from the gifts of her father. I believe that likewise in our text today, a Jonah will demonstrate really similar behavior in the way that he responds to God's grace that's been given to Nineveh. And I believe that it's Jonah's childish display that's going to say a lot about his heart. And I believe Jonah, what he's going to do is leverage that whole interaction that he has with God to try to examine our hearts as the reader today. And are we satisfied with God's grace upon us and God's grace upon other people. Uh, what I want to invite you guys to do is stand up. As a church, we like to stand as we read God's Word together. Uh, and then after I get done reading it, I just want to say a brief prayer over our time. Uh, we're going to be in Jonah chapter 4, all of verses 4, verse 1, uh, 1 through 10. Uh, hear the Word of the Lord. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, Is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. 
And when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked God that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a day. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? Let's pray. Uh, Father, as we continue to open up uh, your word, uh, this story that was recorded by the prophet Jonah so many years ago, I pray that we would learn more about you, uh, who you are. Uh, We want to have a right theology about you. Uh, But also, Father, we want to have a right understanding of what it means to be your follower and what it is that you're calling us to do. So as we walk through your word together, if we have any unbelief, uh, if we have any wrong belief, I pray you would lead us to repentance and you would also lead us to lives of obedience, uh, modeling you. We ask this in your name. Amen. You guys have a seat. God's going to do something here, uh, and I believe it's incredibly patient of God. Uh, Instead of just outright rebuking Jonah for his wrong belief, God's going to enter into a series of questions with Jonah to try to get Jonah thinking. Now, this isn't unique to the book of Jonah. We see this throughout God's Word. Uh, You can think back to the very beginning when Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden uh, ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We see God coming going down to them. What does God do when He comes to Adam and Eve? He asks them questions. He says, where are you? Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat? Uh, Similarly, when we read the book of Job, God enters into these long sections of asking Job uh, questions. Uh, I love this quote here out of the book of Job. Uh, God tells Job, brace yourself like a man, and I will question you, and you shall answer me. Or even in the life of Jesus, Jesus was the master at asking really good questions. Jesus comes to Peter and says, hey, Peter, who do you say that I am? God does this because he believes and he knows that our answers to his questions say a lot more about what's going on, say the truth about what is going on in our hearts. How we react to questions is often a better thermometer of our heart than how we act. Okay, so how we react is a better thermometer to our, of our heart than how we act. So God will basically diagnose the heart of Jonah like a doctor by asking him three questions. And those three questions will leave Jonah speechless. How we react to those same questions that God asks us is going to say a lot about what is going on in our hearts today which I believe is Jonah's goal to us as the reader. So the first question that we see here of God asking Jonah comes in verse 4. God asks Jonah, have you any right to be angry? Now Jonah is basically throwing a temper tantrum like a child. He is not getting his way. And so Jonah is sulking. He has gone and sat by himself up on a city overlooking Nineveh, right? I think what Jonah is doing isn't a whole lot different from what that girl did in the video. Dad, I wanted you to kill the Ninevites. I didn't want a a red car. I wanted a blue car. That's what Jonah's doing. He's just sulking at the grace of God 
over another group of, kid, of people. Jonah is like a child on a playground who decides to go and play by himself and sulk because none of the other children will play his game. So Jonah goes up on this hillside, he builds himself a little shelter, and then he watches in hope that God will change his mind and he will still destroy Nineveh. Jonah would rather die than see Nineveh saved. This is incredibly telling. Now all of a sudden, all the pieces of the puzzle start falling together in the book of Jonah. We know now that Jonah ran from God in chapter 1 because he knew that God would forgive the Ninevites, and he doesn't think that they deserve forgiveness. We also learn that Jonah submitted to going to Nineveh and calling them to repentance, not out of a changed heart, but out of submission to the sovereign will of God. Now, Jonah's response to this whole situation is incredibly surprising and I think a little disturbing because wouldn't we rejoice if the same thing happened in our city? If, if someone came here and called people to repentance and that was mass repentance in the city of Portland, you would think that we would rejoice. You would think that the evangelist would rejoice, but instead, Jonah sulks because he has a wrong understanding about who God is. I think Jonah, and I'm reading into this text here, but I think Jonah struggles with legalism, which has led him to entitlement. He thinks that he deserves the grace and mercy of God, and he believes the Ninevites deserve the justice of God. We see this throughout this last chapter, and actually throughout all the book of Jonah. Jonah's willing to receive grace. He's just not willing to give any of it back out. Let's take a look at it. We can compare Jonah's two prayers, the one in chapter 2 and now in chapter 4. This is what Jonah says in the belly of the fish. Uh, uh, This is Jonah 2.2. I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. Grace. He's, He's grateful for God's grace. But now when it comes to giving grace to Nineveh, look at chapter 4, verse 2. Oh, Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Jonah in this, in this prayer is actually quoting out of Exodus 34, 6 through 7. And I want us to look at all of Exodus 34, 6 through 7. This is God talking to Moses when he's revealing himself to the nation of Israel and he's covenanting with them. Look how God describes himself in Exodus 34, which Jonah quotes out of. Verse 6 says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping his steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. See, Jonah knows that God is merciful and a gracious and abounding in steadfast love. The problem is Jonah would rather have a little more of the wrathful side of God toward Nineveh. He wants the visiting the iniquities of the fathers on the children type of a God. Jonah knows that God is both loving and just. And this is where what that quote that I read from you guys in the ESV Bible, this is where having a right theology about who God is comes into play. God is equally and fully loving as he is just, okay? God is not more loving than he is just, 
and God is not more just than He is loving. Now, how a being can be equally loving and equally just perfectly, we cannot fathom because we are not God. So when God chooses to be loving or chooses to be just, we have to learn to be at peace with his sovereignty. This is Jonah's struggle. He's just not at peace with how God is choosing to work right now toward Nineveh. So God starts asking Jonah questions to help him realize this. God asks Jonah, why are you angry? Because he wants Jonah to think back on the grace that he's received from God because he didn't have a problem receiving grace. See, when you think about Jonah and the Ninevites, Jonah was disobedient toward God. God punished him in the belly of the fish. Jonah repented, and God restored Jonah. And Jonah was pretty happy about that whole thing, as we all would be. Equally, Nineveh was evil in the sight of God. Nineveh repented of their sins, and God released his righteous judgment or justice upon Nineveh. Now think about it. If God would do this to Jonah... If God would put Jonah in the belly of the whale to teach him something about about his wrong understanding about God, why wouldn't he do the same thing for us? I believe that God many times will allow situations to happen in our life to try to help us correct a wrong understanding of who he is. I mean, why wouldn't God give someone else grace in our lives just to see how that we would respond to it? Maybe Jonah spending three days in the belly of the well wasn't as much about God's heart for Nineveh as it was about God trying to teach Jonah something. Okay? So uh, this, this was really important to me as I read through it. I started thinking through, okay, if God would let Jonah go through this whole situation to teach him something, maybe God's doing the same thing in our lives on a daily basis. What if, what if God would bless somebody else just to see how we would respond to it? How many times, when you think about it, how many times do we begrudge somebody else's financial blessings? How come they get up to go on that family vacation? Why don't they... Why don't, uh, Why do they get to own that home? How come their kids get to go to that school? Well, maybe God gives them things that you want just to teach you to be content. I believe God can work that way. But let's take this a little deeper. What if a person lives their whole life selfishly? Do we ever begrudge God giving them forgiveness at the end of their life? Like, that person never did anything right on their deathbed. They repented and they get saved? Or how about a relationship with your parents? Why, why should my parents deserve a relationship with me after the way that they treated me? Why am I sick while that person is healthy? Why does their relationship seem to be going so well while mine seems to be so hard? I believe God, in His sovereignty, dispenses His grace and his justice, and allows us to respond to that to see what is really going on in our hearts. God is always working, shaping our hearts through everyday life. It's called sanctification. 
And we, like Jonah, have to choose to embrace the way that God is working in our lives right now through the dispensing of His grace and His justice in order to learn exactly what God wants us to learn. Second question that God asked Jonah, we see in verse 9. He says, do you do well to be angry for the plant? I want to read it here in Jonah 4, 6 through 9. It says, now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might shade that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to God to die. I believe this is where Jonah's just kind of turning into a drama queen. If Jonah isn't getting the life lessons that God is trying to teach through the questions, God's going to give Jonah a visual analogy of the point that he's trying to make. God provides a plant. It grows up over the shelter that Jonah had had built. Jonah once again rejoices in the grace of God like he did when he was delivered from the belly of the whale. But God then brings a worm to eat the plant, and when Jonah awakes the next day, it's dead. But not only is it dead, not only is his shade gone, but God then appoints a scorching east wind, and Jonah wishes once again that he was dead. I love how many times the text here talks about God appointing. It's God who appointed the plant, God appointed the worm, God appointed the sun, and God appointed the wind. God is evidently at work to try to teach Jonah that he gives grace and he takes it away. This is a valuable question for a follower of Christ to learn. This is the same lesson that God teaches Job very painfully. In Job 38, verses 1 through 11, I love this conversation that that, uh, God has with Job. It says in verse 1, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Just for action like a man, I will question you and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determines its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? Or what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut in the sea with, with, with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made clouds its garments and thick darkness its swaddling band. And prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, Thus... Thus far shall you come and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stayed. See, a right theology about God says the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That is a lesson that is only learned through sanctification. It's easy to say that we believe that, but then God in His grace will allow us to continue to go through these seasons in our life of blessing others to see how we respond, and he'll also take things away from us to see how we respond. Um, Royce even alluded earlier to a prayer before the service of that same process that's been going on in, in one of our lives as, we were, as we, were, we were praying. God sovereignly is allowing really difficult things to go on in our lives because he loves us, and God cares more that we have a right understanding about him than he does about anything else in our life. We just need to kind of take the blinders off 
and start looking at everyday life as a series of sanctifying opportunities that God is uh, sovereignly ordaining in our lives. Question number three. Here's what God asked Jonah. Should I not be concerned about this great city? We've seen this in Jonah 4, verse 10 and 11. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? Uh, This little description here of of this verse I, I read and I really loved. God's response to Jonah. Jonah, you did not make this plant grow. You exerted no labor in tending it. It's a creature of a day. If you feel so much concern for this plant, what about the immortal souls of the 120,000 people in Nineveh who've been created in my image, whom I have sustained life to this day, whose destinies forevermore will be fixed by their response to your witness to me? If you care about this plant, should I not care about this city? Wow. I mean, the, the plant, it grew up overnight by none of Jonah's doing. This city grew up over generations. It's full of God's image bearers who do not know their left hand from their right, meaning they have no way of escaping their evil lives that they are under. And God in his sovereignty extends grace to this group of people through Jonah. If Jonah had no right over the plant, God has every right. God has the right to exercise pity over the plant, the city, the people of Nineveh, and Jonah himself. Nothing falls outside of the jurisdiction of God. See, God here through this text, I mean, he's just taking a a dagger to Jonah's heart, and he's just digging in because he wants to show Jonah's lack of compassion toward God's creation. But more importantly, and get this, church, God wants Jonah to see his failure of understanding who God really is. See, when God's people who are are forgiven are sent out as his representatives to the world to, to, to go and take the gospel message to God's image bearers, if we refuse to live gracious and compassionate lives like God, the reason is you don't really know who God is. And unfortunately, Christians many times are known from the world as being very graceless people. That's because we've forgotten who our God is. Jonah here uh, represents the, the nation of Israel. I mean, when you think historically, Jonah came from Israel, right? He came to this foreign people to preach the gospel, And as Jonah is sitting on this hillside and he's soaking over God's grace toward a foreign people, Israel's king, who was chosen by God, who sits on the throne, is living lives contrary to the way that God created them. God created a group of people. He established a relationship with them. And the reason was he wanted those people to represent him to the world. Instead, those people are not, even, not only following the law, they've lost that compassion. They're no longer reaching out to, to bring other nations into this amazing kingdom of God. And God will use Nineveh and the Assyrians to punish the nation of Israel because of their disobedience. I believe Jonah took that right to the heart. And as the readers today, we're supposed to do the exact same thing. Jonah kind of leaves this, this whole story just hanging, right? 
We don't know how Jonah responds to the question. I believe it's because Jonah wants us to wrestle with the exact same questions. And here they are. Do we have any right to resent God's grace toward others? Do we think that we deserve grace? Are we compassionate about the same things that God is compassionate about? That same group of people that God covenanted with so many years ago, He's covenanted with us today. Just as they were meant to be a a light to the nations, we are meant to be a light to the world. And we have to make sure as followers of God that we don't get off course and we start thinking more highly about ourselves and we start taking the grace of God and not realizing that it's God's grace to us because maybe it's just God's grace through us to somebody else. The difference between us and Jonah is that God had a plan to display an act of grace that neither Jonah nor the Ninevites could ever fathom. See, Jonah, he was in the belly of the fish for three days because of his disobedience toward God's compassionate will. Jesus, he's going to be in the ground for three days because of his obedience toward God's compassionate will. See, Jonah, he begrudgingly went and preached the message of repentance for a few days. Jesus, he wrapped, he joyfully wrapped himself in humanity and came preaching repentance, and he lived with the people for three years. Jonah sulked over looking Nineveh because of God's grace toward the Ninevites. Jesus wept over Jerusalem because he knew that they would not repent. Jonah was a messenger of the grace of God. Jesus will be the medium of the grace of God. Jonah, maybe, maybe he had a good excuse. Maybe he didn't understand the full grace of God, but Jonah didn't know about Jesus, and we do. We live after the cross. That was always God's plan that he would have an act of grace that would be written on the hearts of the people. That's what the new covenant was all about. And it was that act of grace through Jesus Christ that would forever change the hearts of his people and they would finally be able to be the the covenant obedient people who live these gracious lives to other people who are not a part of the kingdom of God so that they would come into the kingdom of God. We may be finding ourselves today living graceless lives like Jonah and the cure to a graceless heart is to look at the grace of Jesus Christ that was extended to us. Paul pushes this point really hard in the book of Romans, Romans 8, 28 through 30. Look at what Paul says here. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. We love that verse, right? It's it's incredible peace that we find as followers of Christ that all things work together for good for those who follow Jesus. But look at what he does here. Paul goes on. He says, for those whom he foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the first more among many brothers. In verse 30, And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. Think about that progression in the text. We were predestined by God. We were called by God. We were justified through Jesus, and we will be glorified with Him forever in eternity. None of that is earned or deserved. 
Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. As a church this summer, we've really been focusing on evangelism. It's been one of our, one of our key themes. And I believe that, that we can be evangelistic in everyday life. That was what last week's message was all about. But if you're looking at your life and the people that you interact with on a daily basis, if there's anyone in your life that you don't think deserves grace, whether it is an ethnicity or someone because of their sexuality, or someone because of even their sin against you, you're failing to understand who God is, like Jonah. And I pray as you look at those relationships that God has placed in your life, that we would see ourselves as God's medium of grace. And God wants to use us to reach those people. Billy and Tara, or Billy, Tara's not here today. Uh, Billy's going to head back up here, and he's going to lead us in a second worship set here. And I pray that God's Word has done some heart surgery. I know it has on me as I thought about uh, some of my neighbors that I've picked and choose who to have a relationship with. Some of the people, and even in, in a church community, that I pick and choose to have a relationship with. I pray that God's Word can continue to do some heart surgery on us. Now, there may be some of you here today who are not a follower of Christ, that you're just kind of checking this whole thing out, and I don't doubt that you probably have a pretty, pretty sad understanding of, of what it means to be a Christian, and that's because Christians have not always done a really good job at modeling the grace of our God. We have this tendency to be Jonah, kind of the Jonah syndrome, to think that we deserve it and other people don't. Forgive us for that. The way that we try to correct that wrong understanding about God is by looking at the Scriptures and reminding our own hearts of who God is. The God of the Bible is gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. But He is equally and also just. And He cannot allow sin to go unpunished. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you need to know that that punishment that you deserve has been placed upon Jesus Christ on the cross. But that message is something that you have to receive and you have to repent of. God sent Jonah with a message of repentance, and today he's calling you to that same message of repentance. For those of you who are followers of Jesus Christ, maybe you've been led to conviction uh, today of, of people in your life that you've been unwilling to extend grace to. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a neighbor or co-worker. Maybe it is an ethnicity or a people group. I pray as we come to the tables and, and we remember the grace of God upon us who did not deserve it, that that would change our hearts and it would lead us to be a gracious and compassionate people. If you need to repent of any unbelief, I, I encourage you to do it. And then what we're going to do is we're going to then spend some time in song. And the point of this time in our service is just to remind us of our great God, to remind us of how incredibly blessed we've been, to remind us that He is sovereign over all the good and all the bad. And then we want to leave here being a people that don't just sing and give God lip service, but live lives that demonstrate that. 
Let's pray together. Uh, Father, we thank you for your word uh, to your people so many thousands of years ago. Uh, We thank you for Jonah and the hard lessons that he learned. Uh, And I believe he did learn those lessons. I pray today, as we've been in your word, that, that you would continue to do surgery on our hearts. That if we have forgotten the grace that's been extended to us, if, if, if people look into our lives and they don't see compassion, they don't see forgiveness, God, I pray you would forgive us of that. And as we look at Jesus Christ, we would be reminded all over again about who you are and what you've truly done and that we are like Nineveh, but you extended grace to us. God, would you continue to extend now your grace through us as your church called to this place right now? We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Red Sea Church. If you would like more information about Red Sea, including more audio messages, please visit us at www.redseachurch.org or contact us at info at redseachurch.org.